From May 23rd to 25th, the Human Rights Foundation's community reunited in Norway for the 2022 Oslo Freedom Forum at the Oslo Concerthus. Guests from all corners of the globe joined together to discuss the year's most pressing human rights issues and to brainstorm new ways to expand freedom worldwide. This year's theme, Champion of Change, represented a strong, scalable call to action for our community, inviting our audience to act and advocate on behalf of activists who are themselves champions and their causes. At the Oslo Freedom Forum, we realize that everyone has the potential to affect change, either as a champion on an individual level or as part of a larger movement. Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. This episode was recorded during the 2022 Oslo Freedom Forum, a global gathering of activists and dissidents united in standing up to tyranny. Since 2009, individuals have come from across the world to educate, share, and inspire at the Oslo Freedom Forum. You can watch this programming and more on the Oslo Freedom Forum YouTube or Facebook pages. Putin's Russia is corrupt, bloodthirsty, and radically authoritarian. Putin's regime does not tolerate any dissent. Roman Dobrohotov is the editor-in-chief of The Insider. He has worked to uncover Putin's crimes, including the poisoning of leading opposition figure Alexei Navalny, the downing of Malaysia Airlines Flight 17, and the Russian war in Ukraine. Roman was forced into exile for his courageous investigations, but today he continues to expose the crimes of the Putin regime. So when I came to journalism in 2004, it all was completely different, especially investigative journalism. Um, journalist investigator at that time would usually be a man, usually a man in his 40s or 50s, because you need a lot of time to get a lot of sources. He would usually also have a drinking problem, because you need to win the trust of your source, you know. Uh, he would usually uh, have relationship problem, because he travels too much, and also because he has drinking problem. But he travels too much, because you need to be physically present in the place where you are investigating and uh, you need to physically meet with the sources. So all of that has changed. Uh, nowadays, we are living in the world where journalist investigations are much more um, data-driven than source-based. Uh, we live in the world when everyone, and everyone among you also, leave, leaves a digital trace. When you make a phone call, when you write an email, when you use your credit card, when you book a flight or an apartment or a hotel room, um, when you download a picture or someone makes a picture of you and put it in a social network, I don't know, when, when you build a, uh, um, some house in a faraway village, it can be seen from a satellite. And we have access to all of this data. So when we speak about um, digital era, usually um, it is considered in the context of uh, Big Brother, who is watching us and trying to control civil society. But also, all these digital instruments can be used by us and can empower journalists and activists to go after dictatorships and their uh, intelligence agencies, etc. 
So I will give you some um, examples of uh, instruments that we use uh, in our everyday work. For example, databases. Uh, authoritarian regimes love databases, especially in Russia. They gather all the information on everyone. And this is very convenient for journalists and investigators because Russia is also a corrupt state. That means that if you have 10 bucks, you have access to all this information. And all the security agents, they are also there in these databases. For example, when we investigated poisoning in Salisbury, this Skripal poisoning, uh, we found that one of the agents had um, almost a similar passport number than an, another agent from our previous investigation, uh, Shishmakov, who was organizing coup in Montenegro and failed. But um, it was almost a similar number. It was surprising. So we did an experiment. We changed the last digit of this passport number and looked up it in a passport database. And we found another spy. We repeated this trick, changed another time, and found another spy. So we found dozens of spies just by using one serial of passport numbers. So what I want to explain is that Russian security agents, they are not like James Bond style. They are more like Johnny English style, or Mr. <laughs> Pitkin, I don't know. So they always do clumsy mistakes, and we can use it. For example, another database, a car registration database. So the spies, they don't like to put their real uh, address to when they register their cars, which is very clever. So what they do is they put their working address there. Thank you, GRU, because we put the address of GRU headquarters in car registration database, and we get more than 1,000 names of GRU agents with their phones, with their passport data, with their emails, etc., etc. Um, another example, travel database. We used it uh, when we um, made an investigation on poisoning of Alexei Navalny and Vladimir Karamurza. I bet you know Vladimir Karamurza because he participated in this conference before. Now he's arrested, um, but he was also poisoned twice with Novichok. So we see in travel database that um, security agents are going, who are experts on uh, chemical weapon, are going to the same cities at the same days when Vladimir Kamruza is traveling. The same then happened with Alexei Navalny, with um, Dmitry Bukov and other Russian prominent um, opinion leaders uh, and activists who were poisoned by Novichok. So uh, after our publication, even Vladimir Putin had to admit that, yeah, these people really followed um, Navalny because like, this is data. You, you, can't, you can't just reject it. Um, so uh, it's about databases, but also a uh, very important instrument is analyzing metadata. Metadata is hidden information in all the digital um, documents, like photos, videos, or anything. For example, there is also cell phone metadata. Um, these um, security agents who followed Navalny, they didn't use their real SIM cards. But one of them, Alexei uh, Alexandrov, the same guy who put uh, Novichok on Navalny's pants, he turned on his cell phone only for one second just to change his SIM card. And that was enough for us to see and to prove that he was in Tomsk the same day and the same time when Alexei Navalny was poisoned. So this is a very powerful instrument. Um, also, metadata can be used with emails, for example. Uh, the Insider was uh, the first to prove that uh, um, that was GRU, like Russian military intel intelligence, who stood behind 
um, hacking of um, Emmanuel Macron, Hillary Clinton, Bundestag, and others. How we proved it? Through metadata. So when they leaked emails of Emmanuel Macron, we analyzed it, and we found uh, in one of the documents uh, in these emails, um, in metadata, Russian name, Georgi Petrovich Roshka, uh, which is not a very widespread name, but we didn't see anything about him in open source, uh, just that he participated in some conference on programming and math. So here we combine our uh, old-school journalism and new-school journalism methods together, and what we do, we approach to 300 of participants of this conference and ask all of them to send us a brochure where we can find a list of the uh, people and the, their positions in their organizations. And two of these 300 participants really send us the brochure. And what we see there in the list, Georgi Petrovich Roshka, military unit 26165. It is a military unit responsible for cyber operations. Um, another very important source is analyzing social networks, websites, um, everything that you can easily find in the internet, it's called uh, open source. Open source uh, was very important for us when we investigated invasion in Ukraine. So we were doing this since 2014. And um, we analyzed all of these photos and videos, and sometimes it, it, it becomes pretty tricky. For example, we uh, found a picture of a guy that we suspected that he's a very important guy in bringing arms to Ukraine. But we didn't know who is he. Uh, we knew only his face. So we used very powerful instruments of image search in open source, and we found only one website where these guys uh, was on the photo. So uh, this photo was made by a person who just wanted to sell his TV. So he just made a photo of his TV set, and there was something like on air, some TV channel on. It was TV channel Zvizdal from Russian uh, Ministry of Defense. And this guy was making an interview there. So uh, this was the only one, the picture of him not deleted in internet. So again, we're combining uh, old school journalism with new instruments. What we do is that we go to a TV archive and watch all the um, videos that were on air on the date when the photo of, was published. So we see like hours and hours of this uh, TVs with the programs, very boring, but we find uh, this guy giving an interview, and it appeared to be a very important FSB general, Andrei Burlaka, deputy chief of our border control. Uh, what I, why I also like um, all these um, digital instruments, because you can work from any point in the world, from everywhere. I wanted to stay in Russia as long as possible, but last July uh, at 6 a.m., uh, FSB broke the door to my apartment, came in, took my computers, cell phones, and passports, which is important because they wanted to prevent me from leaving the country. And if FSB wants to prevent you from leaving the country, that means that you need to leave the country immediately, which I did. So, and what changed? Nothing. I'm working, and my team is working from Europe as effectively as we used to do previously. So um, what I want to do is to encourage young journalists, activists, everybody to learn and study these new digital instruments to go after dictatorships in your countries. Thank you.